Welcome to the Trumpet Call podcast. We're mobilizing warriors for the spiritual battle. And I'm your host, John Martin. I'm here with Ron Kohler. So thank you all for coming here and listening in wherever you're at and hearing the wisdom of Ron Kohler and his expertise on loving Jesus. So we're starting a new series. Uh, This whole podcast is new, but Ron, we had wanted to start doing the five marks of a disciple maker. And so the first one is to know and love and become like Jesus Christ. And that the passage on that is Philippians 3, uh, 8 through 10. But uh, in this time, just listening to you, I'd, I'd love to hear your wisdom on that. So maybe the first question is, what has helped you to cultivate a relationship with God? Boy, that in one sense is the million dollar question and you hit the nail on the head. Um, And I can think of two words, and they were words that Paul gave to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy, I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. And the two words are this, John, remember Jesus. And that word remember means to keep in mind, to um, bring to the forefront of your thinking and let it impact what we decide. Many of us are familiar with the name of Vince Lombardi. He was a, uh, the head football coach of the Green Bay Packers. He was an NFL executive. And back in the sixties, he had led the team to seven or no, to five um, championships, NFL championships in seven years. And one of the things that Vince said in a uh, training camp in 1961, he said, gentlemen, this is a football. Hmm. Now, if anybody knew what a football was, it was NFL football players. It was their career. They knew how to pass and how to block and whatever. But what Vince was basically reminding them of is they needed to go back to the basics. Because if you forget the basics, you forget the values. And I'd be willing to say, if you forget the basics, you're in danger of forgetting and losing the whole game. Wow. And so this whole concept of building a relationship with God is indeed one of the basics. And it's something that everybody knows about almost from day one when they enter into the kingdom of God. Um, But let us not forget the basics. Mm. Let us go back to the beginning. And I'm about to reveal my age because I remember when a Christian vocalist named Steve Green was quite popular, and he has a career, I think, of 35 years, and it was in 1989 that he recorded a title that was called The Mission. And let me read for you the, uh, the chorus. To love the Lord our God is the heartbeat of our mission. It's the spring from which our service overflows. Across the street or around the world, the mission's still the same. Proclaim and live the truth in Jesus' name. So what we need to do is we need to remember that the Great Commission, which we're very familiar with in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, of discipling the nations, is built on the foundation of the Great Commandment. Jesus in Matthew 22, 36 to 38 was, set, was asked, Well, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? What is the most important? What is the chief principle? And I've spent many of my 40 years of ministry 
interacting with collegiates. And I said, guys, this is going to be one of the exam or one of the questions on the final exam. Hmm. So get it. You know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. How come that is so basic? I mean, who doesn't know not only to spend time with Jesus, but I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm thinking that the great commandment is one of those basic ones that you hear from being a kid. Now I know there's probably listeners that have yes. maybe didn't grow up in church, whatever. But why why do you think that is so hard to stick to something so basic that like that? I think it's hard because our tendency is to make things complex. It's it's <laughs> it can't possibly be this easy, you know? Right. And and so we add layer upon layer upon layer, whereas Jesus wanted to make sure that it was doable. Hmm. We got it. And one of the things I've shared with midshipmen at the Naval Academy and with many students is all relationships begin somewhere and they go somewhere. Hmm. Now, some relationships are merely acquaintances, but some become besties. Well, I cannot become a bestie unless I'm willing to invest time in that relationship. And I think the same thing is true with a relationship with God. And Mm. Terry Taylor said that people are as close to God as they choose to be, not want to be. Right. And he said that based on John 14, 21, where Jesus said, well, if you have my commandments, you're going to keep them. And as you keep them, I'm going to reveal more of myself to you. And then you're going to obey. And then I'm going to reveal more. And so basically it's a matter of choosing to obey. Mm-hmm. And in fact, even just today, in my quiet time, I was reading in First Chronicles 28, and um, David said to Solomon in verse 9 of First Chronicles 28, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father, and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, of all the things... David could have said to Solomon, he said, Solomon, got to make sure you get this. You got to know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart. When I think about this whole concept of building a relationship with God, I think of two words, and they both begin with the letter C. Hmm. One is conviction, and the second is choice. And my choices come out of my conviction. And my life verse is actually in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 in the Amplified, where the Apostle Paul says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him. So Paul had determined in his mind that he was going to know Jesus Christ. And in verse 10 in the Amplified, he goes on and unfolds that word no. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. But he had decided beforehand that that was what he was going to do. Another verse that really helps me to make developing a relationship with God a priority is Psalm 27, 4, where King David said, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Hmm. And I thought, well, is a king busy? Well, yes, a king is busy. 
I mean, a king's he's concerned about running a government. He's concerned about choosing counselors and advisors. He's concerned concerned about protecting a people. He's concerned about a, a, a follower, someone who's going to follow him or us, an heir. Uh, and yet David chose to make his relationship with God a priority. Wow. And years ago, I remember listening to a uh, speaker by the name of Walt Hendrickson. And Walt, in preaching on this passage, said, gentlemen and ladies, there is time in life for only one passion. So choose your passion carefully. Mm -hmm. Well, as I've gone through the scriptures, I look at King David, a man that God called a man after my own heart, and his passion was to know Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I go to the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And in Philippians 3.8, you mentioned earlier that this whole passage is or this whole podcast here, this theme is based on Philippians 3.8 through 10. Well, in, in verse 8, Paul says, well, hey, everything else is rubbish mm -hmm. compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Right. So they weren't wrong in and of themselves, but when they were placed on a scale, and that scale, the idea of knowing Jesus Christ paled in comparison. Excellent. And so both David and Paul had the conviction that Jesus is worthy of my time. Mm -hmm. Jesus is worthy of my effort. So I think busyness is one of the tools or tactics of the enemy. And I've got it here. One of the things that um, Chuck Swindoll called it is the barrenness of busyness. Hmm. And what busyness does is it rapes relationships. Wow. And it plows under priorities. Mm -hmm. And it may promise dreams, but it delivers nightmares. And so um, if I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I need to know him. In fact, that's one of our mottos, to know Christ, to make him known, and to help others do the same. The foundation of the Great Commission, the foundation of all that we do, we say we want to do, really is is this whole idea of knowing Christ Jesus. So yeah, this I mean, this is like so exciting, Ron. I mean, this is just the bread and butter of all of us. And I think in some ways, what I've heard many people say is some of the same things. You, our relationship, our focus on Christ, is ends up being on, is it Christ or is it busyness? Is it the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ or is it complexity and discipleship? Is it something else besides right. Christ? So we have this dynamic going on. How, but I, I've, I have heard many people kind of get at, it just doesn't seem to help them enough to just understand with their mind that busyness is the enemy of time with Christ. It's like they're I hear people saying, "Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy." But there's not a there's not it's almost like you don't see a clear resolution to that where somebody is saying, "I was busy and now I've made time for Christ and I I'm I'm still busy, but I'm not that busy." You know, it's interesting, John. Marlene and I 
had the opportunity of ministering in Uganda for 10 years. And when a person comes back, at least in the navigators, when a person comes back from the foreign field, he has the opportunity to become a, a worldwide resource. And well, hey, what is God, what is God doing in your life? And at that time in my life, one of the concepts or one of the possibilities I was thinking about was the idea of becoming a pastor, of of leaving the navigators and just really focusing on um, on the pastorate. But what I needed to do is I needed to take time in the presence of God. One of the most famous, famous Psalms is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Hmm. And one of the jobs of a shepherd is to guide a sheep. And so as I prayed, and as I spent time in the presence of God, God made it clear that becoming a pastor at that point in time was not what he wanted me to do. But one of the booklets that he led me to was a little one written by a fellow named Robert Munger, and it's called My Heart, Christ Home. Oh, yeah. It was, it was written in 1954, and John, what, 67 years later, this book, booklet, is just as relevant and powerful and biblical as when it was written. And let me read it for, I read a portion for you from the living room. Well, naturally, as a young Christian, I was thrilled I couldn't think of anything I would rather do than have a few minutes alone with Christ in close companionship. He promised, he meaning Jesus, I will be here every morning early, meet with me, and we'll start the day together. So morning after morning, I'd go downstairs to the living room. He'd take a book of the Bible from the bookcase, open it, and we'd read it together. Those times together were wonderful. So our friendship deepened in these quiet times of personal conversation. However, under the pressure of many responsibilities, little by little, this time began to be shortened. I was just too busy to give special, regular time to be with Christ. Eventually, not only was the period shortened, but I began to miss days now and then. One morning, I recall rushing down the steps in a hurry to be on my way to an important appointment. Glancing in, I saw a fire in the fireplace and Jesus sitting there. With downcast glance, I said, Master, I am sorry. Have you been here every morning? Yes, he said. I told you I'd be here to meet with you. He said, the trouble is that you've been thinking of the quiet time of Bible study and prayer as a means for your own spiritual growth. This is true, but you have forgotten that this time means something to me also. Remember, I love you. At a great cost, I have redeemed you. I value your fellowship. Just to have you look up into my face warms my heart. Don't neglect this hour, if only for my sake. Whether or not you want to be with me, remember, I, Jesus, want to be with you. I really love you. Hmm. And John, as I have read and thought about that little passage of Jesus walking through the living room of my life, it has motivated me and, and helped me to develop a connection and a conviction that Jesus really is worth spending time with. Now, God has blessed Marlene and myself with four children, three sons, and a daughter. 
And oftentimes I'm working at the computer. And when our daughter uh, was growing up, she would sometimes say, Daddy, I want to sit on your lap. Didn't matter what I was doing, John. I'd stop and I'd let little Christy climb up into my lap. And just to have her look up into my eyes, I thought, yes. Hmm. We didn't even have to do anything. Or she didn't really even have to say anything. But just being together it helped to, to cultivate and to develop our relationship. And I think that's how Jesus must feel. He is delighted when Ron climbs up into his lap and he says, Jesus, and calls out mm. on his name. So anyways, mm. um, I just, I love the Lord and I love spending time with him. And yes, there are enemies. And when I came back from Uganda, I remember asking my very first navigator representative, I said, now, Ben, how do you disciple busy people? How do you help them get to know the Lord? And I, I kind of figured, well, Ben, Ben's got the answer. Uh, and Ben, almost without thinking, looked at me and he said, Ron, you don't. You know, I thought, well, he'd have maybe a kind of a three-point little oh, right. magic formula. This is what you do. But he said, Ron, right. If people are too busy to be discipled, if they're too busy to meet with the Lord, you're not going to disciple them. You're not going to motivate them. So, um, boy, I, I remember Ben saying that, and that was twenty over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I just, again, as I've gone through the scriptures, John, I just see over and over again, uh, the men and the women that God used were men and women who really made a relationship with God, the foundation of their life and of their leadership. Yeah, man, it's so powerful, Ron, because it it's just, you know, that we all know the pressures of life that are continuing to push on that stuff and, and pull us different directions, but you know that i just reflect on even this the the navigator big navigators saying hey these are five marks that we see are marks of a disciple maker yes and they're not rocket science it's not like we have to search you know that you you can only be a historian and a navigator for 40 years before you can discover these they're actually really simple but they require me being humble and thinking less of myself and more of christ thinking about the promises, thinking about these pictures of Jesus inviting me into his lap to sit there, him being yeah. worthy. Wow, that's just so awesome. Such a reminder. It's a, it, you know, it's almost in a sense somebody could look at this podcast and be like, oh, yeah, I got that, you know. <laughs> but, but it's just so motivating to hear you talk about it, Ron. Well, thanks, Ron, so much for uh, being, being here with me and just so awesome to— Get the wisdom from somebody like you who's walked uh, walked the journey, and I'm glad the Lord didn't take you up in the middle of this like you did at Enoch, so we were able to finish this <laughs> podcast. Um, but, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll close this out with, uh, you know, the, this passage from Philippians. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Thank you so much, Ron, for joining us today, inspiring us. Thank you so much for listening in. Looking forward to uh, being together next time. Again, give us some feedback. Give us some comments. We'd love to hear it. And uh, looking forward to going through these five marks of a disciple maker together. See you guys. <laughs>